this past month, we've been walking through a series about God doing a new thing. And I believe wholeheartedly that he wants to do something new in your life. I want us to open up the message by reading these words from the screen out loud and loudly together. From Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. Would you read this with me? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God was speaking to a people who needed hope more than ever before. They were in bondage. They heard the stories of the past, but their current situation didn't match up. It didn't match up at at all. It didn't reflect that. If things stayed the way they were for their lives, they would have lost all hope. And I wonder how many people in here this morning are willing, are ready to grab a hold of the hope that God would have. How many of you here, I wonder, are, are ready for God to change some things up in your life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the way maker. You are the change maker. You make all things new. Do a new thing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of our message is, But Will It Work? Would you greet somebody around you and ask them, will it work as you're seated? Quick question. I asked you last week. Didn't have too many hands go up, but how many of you got your Christmas shopping done? How many got your Christmas shopping done? Somebody here still has some Christmas shopping to do? Anybody? It's not Christmas Eve yet. I got all my Christmas shopping done. My wife said, you're coming with me. I said, okay. And uh, we went out shopping and got it all done really quick. She does most of it, but I was able to participate this year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, how many of you guys, when you go Christmas shopping, you, you end up buying a gift for yourself? Anybody here? That's, that's right. That's right. So often my family, they ask me, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't want anything. And, and if I do want it, I'll, I'll go buy it. Like, let me, let me buy it and I'll, you, know, you can pitch in or something because I'm easily underwhelmed and I don't want the look of, oh, I wanted the other model or color or, or size, you know, to appear on my face. And so, hey, you guys, let me just, you know, get you gifts and, and we'll celebrate that way and then I'll go shopping afterwards. That's just a little bit with me. Now, it reminds me of a story. I may have told it before, but uh, a man comes home and he finds this receipt for $500, a $500 dress. And it's right at Christmas time, and, and, and he knew they had already spent all their money, spent all their money on Christmas. And then he sees this receipt. He says, babe, what's going on here? What, wh- how did you end up spending 500 bucks on a dress? I thought you said that we're not going to spend any more money. You had to put that on the credit card. She said, I know, baby, but I was going through the mall, and I heard a voice when I saw this dress and said, you, you need to, to try that dress on. And so, so I did. And, and, then, and then I went into the dressing room, and I was looking at it, and, and the voice said, wow, this dress looks good on you. And she said, I think it was the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil made me buy it. And he said, honey, don't you know when the devil's talking to you, you're supposed to say, get behind me, Satan? She said, I said that. And he said, what happened? She, 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 she replied, she said, he said it looks good from back here, too, so I bought it. <laughs> well... I don't know what motivates you to get what you get or who, who's to blame, 
Nevertheless, I know this, uh, it's Christmas season. You got a couple of days left. <laughs> Get something for somebody. Hey, uh, from the beginning, God has been trying to reach out to mankind, hasn't he? From the very beginning. When we look at this, in, in, in the very beginning, he gave mankind, Adam and Eve, a garden with one rule. It said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, it didn't work. He gave them a fresh start after the flood. It didn't work. He gave them a patriarch, Abraham, with a covenant promise, and it still didn't work. He gave them a deliverer from slavery, Moses, and it didn't work. He gave them a promised land. It didn't work. He gave them his law. It didn't work. He gave them a king. It didn't work. He gave them blessings and curses. It didn't work. He gave them prophets. It didn't work. So he did a new thing. He gave them his son. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So how did it work? Because that's really what matters is, does it work? So often, by the way, uh, I talk to people you need, to, you need to talk to people who don't go to church about Jesus. And I don't mean to convert them. I mean to understand them, to get to, get to know them, where are they at. Because when you just ask questions and you're not, you're not on the uh, offensive with them, trying to, trying to put them into a corner and prove something theologically, but you want to actually know them and kind of find out, Lord, what, do you say, what, what are you saying to this person? What's going on in their life? Um, you'll find out all kinds of things. I, I've been talking to people lately uh, one, one was my um, physical therapist. I'm just talking, this guy was, he had grown up in church, kind of a uh, mainline denomination, traditional experience, and uh, believes in God, but then got disillusioned because he's looking around and, and there's this, this rules and regulations on Sundays and high standards that we all mouth, but during the week, he's seeing something totally different. In fact, oftentimes he would see uh, those who don't go to church, non-churchgoers, even live at a higher standard and be more compassionate and kind or, or you know, live to a higher uh, moral, you know, <laughs> degree th than some he would see in church. And that caused him to think, well, if there's the inconsistency in, in the lifestyle, if that's not working, then maybe that's not working. Maybe what he's doing doesn't work. Maybe it's not right. Maybe it, it, it doesn't work. And I think that, you know, we can pray, we can read, we can be devout, we can do all these things. But the question is, does it work? Like, like Christians should be the most gracious people on earth, compassionate people, helpful people, hardworking, honest, loving people on earth when it works, <laughs> right? But you can do all of that stuff and it not work. God had been reaching out to his people and everything he gave them in an effort to allow them to partner with him, it didn't seem to work. How did it work, though, when he said, hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing, and I'm going to come myself. Well, at first, it seemed to be going really well. It really did. Angels announced, shepherds arrived, a star appeared, magi traveled. There was a wedding. They ran out of wine. Jesus' first miracle was providing wine 
for a joyful celebration of a groom receiving his bride? That was foretelling. Demons are cast out, bread is multiplied, taxes are paid, adulterers are forgiven, broken hearts are healed. Going pretty well. Matthew 11.5 says, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. I would say, it's working. It's working. It looks like it's working right here. And then Jesus addresses the religious leaders, the church folk, the people in power, the people who already knew the way. They already had the systems. They were already doing the right things. They picked and chose which laws to follow to benefit themselves. They looked down on women and all other races. They considered anyone who didn't live to their standards to be lowly sinners. In fact, if someone touched them in the marketplace, they would immediately go wash themselves to be clean before God because some sinful person may have infected them. They used the law of God as means to judge others. They manipulated, controlled, and devoured. Their self-righteousness stunk to high heaven. They misrepresented God. Jesus had some words with them. They didn't like Jesus. People like that don't like Jesus. I love how Jesus can come on the scene and and with zero compromise to the law of God, the righteousness of God, the perfection of God, zero compromise to that, he can be hated by the, the people of God and loved by the sinners. How does that work? I don't have it figured out yet. I really don't. I, I want to be like that. I want to see that. I want to live that. I want the church to experience that. But that's Jesus. He was comfortable among those who were uncomfortable with God. And yet they were somehow finding out that, oh, God isn't that bad. In fact, he's good. How does Jesus do that? And yet the religious leaders of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, those who had their own right way of thinking and seeing things and, and the, the correct political parties, the correct uh, denomination and theology, all of those things, the right practices, how is it that they were so uncomfortable when God actually walked among them? Would it be uncomfortable for us if Jesus was in our midst? Or would our hearts melt and say, oh, he loves me. Oh, all this stuff on the inside that, that's off track. Uh, here you go, right? He's, he's, he's good. He's gracious, he's loving, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's kind, he's tender. How would we respond? They didn't like Jesus. They conspired. They lied. They incited a mob. He was arrested, abused, spit upon, stripped, mocked, struck, abandoned by friends, and denied by Peter three times. The rooster crowed. He was condemned, he was whipped, he was crowned with thorns. He carried his cross, our cross. He was stretched out. He was pierced in his right hand and his left. His feet were pulled down as a nail was driven through both of them against the tree. He was crucified. He carried our sin, bore our sicknesses and disease. He was separated from God. He died. It seemed like it didn't work. 
But John 1.29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, that which seemed like it wasn't working was actually working out for you and me. And I think when God said in Isaiah chapter 43, 18 and 19, there were some things in the past that seemed to work, some things that didn't seem to work, but I'm going to make them work. Sometimes in life, it seems like we're in the wilderness or the desert. We don't know the way out. We don't know how we're going to make it. And that's when God says, I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to make a, a way in the wilderness. That's a place for an amen. Amen? Almost a Nigerian amen, right? International service amen right there. He lived the life we wouldn't. He paid the price we couldn't. He finished the work that we didn't. He plundered hell, resurrected from the grave, came out of the grave. He's alive. Amen? amen? Yes. I'm not doing it for show. <laughs> I'm not doing it for effect. I'm saying it because Jesus is alive. And it seemed like it didn't work, but it worked. I would say it worked out really well, would you? I would say that even when it looked like uh, the enemy was winning, even when it looked like God's people were losing, God was still winning. And when God won, his people won. And so did it work? That's what matters is does it work? You can have this great plan. You can have this great prophecy and all these promises. But at the end of the day, does it work? God, you're God. You should know what's gonna, what it's going to take to work. And in my life so far, it seems like some things haven't worked out yet. Will it work? Will you come through? Will you be faithful? Will you do it for me? And God is sitting here, and he's, he's answering that by not a prophet, not a prophecy, not a law, not a rainbow, not a patriarch, not a promised land. He's answering that with his son. And the same way that he made back then is the same way he makes today. When he said, son, will you go? And he says, father, I'm on my way. My bags are packed, Right? And it's so ready, so willing. When God promises a new thing, by the way, he's not talking about making your life incrementally better. He's not talking about improving your life. So often people come to Jesus and they add him to their life and he helps, <laughs> right? Like I used to do this, but I don't do this now that I met Jesus. And that's great. I used to be this, but, but I'm, not, I'm not being that anymore that I met Jesus. I, I now go to church, and I try to live my life right. And so we add Jesus to our life, and he makes our life incrementally better. But I don't think that's what he had in mind. He's not saying, I want to improve your life. He said, I want to change your life. I want to give you a brand new life, a fresh start. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir literally, because you guys sounded so good. I know that I'm preaching to the majority of us get that, that he makes us new. But you need to understand that with the newness of life that he gave you, there is this promise of never-ending newness, never-ending life that he gives you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new, Right? Behold, all things have become new. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
we have to receive these words with faith today. As God is speaking to you and saying, I want to do a new thing in your life. He's not trying to get us to memorize a verse. A verse isn't a new thing. You realize that. You know what's a new thing? A new thing. <laughs> Something different. What is it, God, that you're going to do? It's a new thing. If I was to ask you what, what new thing is God going to do in your life, you couldn't answer that because it's new. You haven't seen it before. Do you realize this, that God still has the ability to present you with opportunities, options, uh, experiences that will blow your mind? <laughs> like, I did not see that coming in a good way. A phone call, something that comes through the email, a text, you bump into somebody, and God just sets you up to do a completely new thing. You meet somebody, you grab a book, you're in your time of doing your journaling, and suddenly God shows up and he says, I'm about to change everything. We have the ability as new creations in Christ to continuously pull upon the new thing that God has for us the new life, because there are patterns from the past that hold on. And this is why God says, forget about those things. Let go of the past. Look, behold, see it. I'm going to do a new thing. God is asking you, say me. God is asking me, will I behold it? Will I see it? So I want to ask you, what are the former things that need to stay former? They need to stay in the past. We're wrapping up this year right now. We're coming to a close. It's a time to reflect on that. It's a time to look forward. What are some of the things that are on your heart? You would think it through your mind right now that need to stay in the past, need to be brought to conclusion, need to be resolved, need to be healed, need to be forgiven. What are the family patterns that need to change, the beliefs? What are the regrets that need to stay in the past, the fears, the hurts? What area is God speaking to you about today? Who, and he's saying that doesn't move forward with you from today. You don't carry that any longer. This is a burden that I've carried. You don't need to carry it. Would you let it go? Stop trying to be like that kid who sees dad pick something up heavy and says, I want to help and comes along and, and acts like they're really helping and they're straining, but they're not helping. But the dad's got it the whole time. And if he was to let that go, that kid would get crushed. And the kid thinks, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. They think that they're carrying this burden, but you can't really carry it, and God's already got it. What he's asking is for us to let it go. This is what I want to ask of you. I want to not just preach a message, but I want to ask you to respond. I want to ask you not to respond to me, not asking you to come forward or, or raise a hand or anything along those lines. I want you to respond to the Lord. In the back of a seat near you, there are these letters with an envelope. And I want you today for you to personally respond to God. Write down, what are you believing God for in 2020? What are you believing God for? What, what area? You may not know what the new thing looks like, but maybe there's something new that you're believing God for. I'm going to ask you to take a moment to write that down here. 
because this is what I'm going to do. You're going to put your name and address on the front. You can seal it. I'm not going to open these. This isn't for me. This is a Dear Jesus letter, not Dear Daniel. Dear Jesus, this is what needs to stay in the past, but, but this, is what needs to, this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm believing you for. Don't write everything. Maybe it's one thing. This time next year, we're going to mail these to you. That's why you got to put your address in legible writing. On your way out, you'll, you'll drop it with the ushers who will have a basket to receive it. A year from now, things are going to be different from you. Your circumstances will change. Those areas of your life that are wilderness and desert now, God is, is making a way, even right now. He's making a way. Next year, when we mail this back to you, you're going to remember the moment that you prayed and you believed God and you heard a word from the Lord. You're going to be reminded of what God has done in, in your life. Take a minute here, and then we're going to sing and light candles.